You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much was being sourced overseas and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that are still making in the UK. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in Britain, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be chatting to inspiring British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering advice to product-based businesses that make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode number 262 of the Make It British podcast. So thank you to everyone that gave such lovely feedback about last week's episode, which was the first one in the new series, series six. And also welcome to anyone who's a new listener this series. So whilst last week's episode was more about my journey and my story and what happened over the last six months with Make It British, On today's episode, I'm getting much more practical and I'm talking to you about your pricing strategy and more importantly, how to nail it. And the idea for this week's episode came about because I went shopping at the weekend. I've got a fantastic optician near where I live who creates the lenses for my glasses. So being someone who is both short, no, not short-sighted, long-sighted, being someone who's basically poorly sighted these days and needs very focal lenses, which are blooming expensive, in my glasses. And you might have noticed that I like a certain type of frame, like a big frame, mostly because I've got a massive head (laughs) and small normal size glasses frames do not look right on my face. So I like a particular style of quite large frame glasses. And that was quite particular to a certain era, mainly like the 1980s. Um, although I'm really a 70s girl, I live in a 1970s house, but the type of glasses frames that I like are more 80s. So when I went to see my optician recently to put new lenses in a frame I already had, he said, do you big frames, Kate? Because if you do, I've got hundreds of pairs of designer frames from the 80s upstairs that are are gathering dust that I packed away in the early 90s when the fashion flipped from big frames, because like everyone wore big frames in the 80s, to small frames. And I just couldn't sell them. So I just put them away. Would you like to see them? Like, yeah, of course I would. Okay, come back next week and I'll show them to you. Anyway, so he got out just a few boxes and they were incredible. I mean, he's sitting on some amazing vintage eyewear. And there was one particular frame that I liked. They were a white metal, a white enameled metal, really unusual kind of cat eye shape by Christian Dior. And I said, okay, so how much do you want for these? These are perfect. They're just the sort of thing I've been looking for. And of course, he went straight on eBay and he looked up how much someone was selling them for because he could tell because they had the model number written on the frames. And he said to me, oh, well, they're worth £529 because someone on eBay was trying to sell a pair for £529. And I pointed out to him that although they were priced at £529 by that eBay seller, it doesn't necessarily mean that they were worth £529. Anyway, to cut a long story short, he'd picked the wrong person to bargain with. 
not realizing that my previous career as a buyer involved a lot of time negotiating prices. So I got him down to £100 from 529 by pointing out to him that a product is only worth what someone is willing to pay for it. And at that point, I was only willing to pay maximum £100 for those frames. He wanted the sale. He knew I was going to pay for the lenses to go in them, which cost me another £150. So really, it was a win-win for both of us at the end of the day. But it got me thinking about prices and pricing, which is something I talk about a lot with my clients. How do you set the ideal price? Is there even ever an ideal price? And the truth is, a product is only worth what someone is willing to pay for it. But there are a lot of things you can do when it comes to working out what your ideal price is. And when I say price, I'm talking about the price that you advertise it for to the customer. So when it comes to working out what your ideal price might be, there are lots of things to take into consideration. So I'm going to go through with you what those things are so that you can nail your pricing strategy for good. Okay. So the first thing is to understand your customer. Understand your customer inside out. Know them really well. Understand what the problem is that your product solves and what that is worth to them. And how much does it cost them to not solve that problem? One thing is when it comes to selling a fashion-related product, that it's not always instantly obvious what the cost of not solving that problem is. You want to sell it to them on the fact that it makes them feel amazing. That is priceless. But you can't always convey that when you're selling your product online. So they're going to take other factors into consideration. The main one of which is, can they get something similar elsewhere? So what are your competitors doing and how much are they charging for a similar product? And when I say competitors, I don't necessarily mean big brands on the high street that can buy everything in big volume at really cheap prices because they're sourcing it overseas. I'm talking about buying it from another small business like yours that makes things ethically, that makes things locally. How much are they charging for a similar product? And where do you compare? You don't want to try and be cheaper than everyone else. That's really important. If you try and compete just on price, it's a race to the bottom. You're always going to lose if you try and compete on price if you've got a small business. So look at what the value is of your product compared to your competitors. Is it better quality? Is it made from better quality materials? Does it last longer? What is your real point of difference from your competitors? To know and understand that and to really be able to communicate the value of your products means you can sell it for a much higher price than you would do if you can't articulate that value. So really understanding who your customer is, what they're willing to pay, who your competitors are, what they're charging, and how you're different from your competitors and why your product is better. Then you need to look at what are the cost of alternatives. So in the case of my glasses, there were plenty of alternatives, thousands and thousands of different frames I could have chosen to ask him to put the lenses in. Potentially, one of those I could have bought elsewhere from his competitors or from a different store rather than buying it from him. So there was tons of alternatives. So I was in a good position to bargain with him because there was lots of alternatives out there that I could have bought instead of buying those frames from him. In the case of your product, if it's something so unique, so say you've got a piece of knitwear 
Yes, you could go and buy knitwear anywhere that will solve the problem of keeping you warm. But if the design is so unique and something so special, and there aren't any alternatives to that design, then you're in a much better position to raise your prices than you are if you've just got something which is quite similar to what everyone else is selling. So what are the alternatives and how different is your product to the alternatives that are out there? So the next thing to take into account when you're setting your prices is, of course, what is the cost to actually make it? But notice I haven't talked about this point first. I'm talking about it after you've already decided what your customers are willing to pay and what your competitors are charging and what the alternatives are. Then look at what the cost of manufacturing it is. Make sure you're making a good margin on top of what the cost of manufacturing is. And a good markup might be something like double what your cost price are. At the minimum, really, you want to be charging double what your cost price is. But don't automatically take your cost price and just doubling it. By doing that, you could be leaving money on the table because you might actually find your customer is willing to pay a lot more than double what your cost price is to get hold of that product because they, it's so special and they can't find it anywhere else. So don't make the mistake of just taking your cost price and doubling it or taking your cost price and times it by four if you're selling it to a retailer and you're wholesaling it. But always make sure you are considering what the cost of manufacturing is and you're not underselling yourself. So always make sure you are taking your cost price and put a, putting a good markup on for yourself because if you don't do that, you're going to find yourself out of pocket when you come to do your accounts, which you don't want to do, okay? So just bear that in mind. Next thing you need to consider is have you left yourself enough room if you need to do any promotions or discounts or whether you're paying for advertising? Marketing and advertising costs can take up a considerable percentage of your retail price. Say you're paying for paid ads, they could be 10, 20% of what your final retail price is. Or you might decide to do a 10 cent discount on customers' first orders. Make sure you've got enough room to cover those costs as well. Take that into account. So I don't necessarily recommend that you build your business and your pricing strategy based on the fact that you're always gonna be discounting. But make sure you have left enough room to offer the occasional discount, particularly if you want to do something where you may be selling a bundle offer where you're selling two products with a discount because they're buying two. Or you might be offering free shipping and that's going to really eat into your price. So make sure you're taking those costs into consideration as well. And then once you've got what you think is your ideal price based on what your customers are willing to pay, what your competitors are charging, what the alternatives are, the cost of manufacture, and any promotions and discounts that you may do on the product, then you need to test the product at that price. Get the product out there, gauge your reaction, make sure it's your ideal customer that you're getting it in front of. So what I see a lot of people do is they tentatively put a price on something and they put it out there for a couple of days. They don't get it in front of enough people. They don't make any sales and then they panic and think, must be the price, must be the price. I'm going to have to lower the price. Nine times out of 10, it is not the price that is putting people off of buying that product. So hold your nerve and do not be tempted to lower the price or discount the price at very early stages when you first launch a product. Make sure enough people that are in your target audience, and when I say enough, bear in mind for every 100 views that a product might have on your website, only one person will buy 
unless you've got your product in front of hundreds of people and no one's bought anything yet, do not be tempted to lower the price. Okay, you'll only attract bargain hunting customers who are always going to come back to you when they think they're going to get a deal or a bargain or a discount. So don't be tempted to lower the price too soon. Gauge your ideal customer's reaction. And if they're not buying, find out why they're not buying. It may be something else to do with the product that's putting them off and not the price. So don't automatically assume it's the price. And then once you are making sales on a product and you think you've got the right price, still keep reviewing it regularly. You may be leaving money on the table by not raising your prices when you need to. So for instance, when things in the market change, when your competitors raise their prices or when your suppliers raise their prices as well. So maybe every quarter or every six months, review your prices. Should you be charging more? Should you be charging less? Market research on prices is something you should be doing continuously. It's not a set it and forget it. It's something you should always be looking at. There's a fantastic book, which is quite an academic read. It's quite hard going, but if you're interested in pricing and pricing strategy, I'd highly recommend reading it. It's called The 1% Windfall by Rafi Mohammed. And it talks about how just by raising your prices by 1%, you can make considerably more profit. You don't just make 1% more profit. It ramps up quite quickly the more you raise your prices. So if you're not charging enough, you are definitely leaving money on the table. Always be looking at what else is out there. What are the alternatives? And if your sales start to drop off on a certain product, maybe at that point you are looking expensive compared to your competitors. Maybe there are alternatives that have come onto the market and maybe now your price is not looking so competitive. And in that case, it's time to look at, do you either discount the, the price of your product or do you drop that product altogether? And if, that's, if the latter is the case, then you need to listen to the episode I did last week, which is how to make changes in your business if now is the time to ask yourself whether there's a certain product you should be dropping. So at that point, you need to look at, is it time to lower the price, to discount the product? or to discontinue it altogether and bring in new alternatives, which the customer can't find elsewhere, which they are willing to pay a premium for. So at the end of the day, there is no perfect price. It really is a question of research, test and review and keep doing that. That is when you know you really have nailed your pricing strategy. Are you ready to finally master your manufacturing and create profitable UK made products? If so, I've got an exclusive training just for you. This training is for businesses that make in the UK or want to and who are interested in working with me in our British brand accelerator for creative small business owners who want to develop and sell profitable UK made products. If your application is accepted, you'll receive a copy of my exclusive free private training on how to develop profitable UK-made products with ease. In the training, I go through my exact three-part framework that we use to help our clients successfully launch and grow their UK-made brands. And I'll show you exactly how it works along with all kinds of examples. I'll also explain everything you need to know about the accelerator to ensure that we can truly help you to get the results that you're looking for. 
To apply for an invite to the British Brand Accelerator and get a copy of the training, go to katehills.co.uk forward slash apply. And so circling back to my story of are you ready to finally master your manufacturing and create profitable UK made products? If so, I've got an exclusive training just for you. This training is for businesses that make in the UK or want to and who are interested in working with me in our British Brand Accelerator for creative small business owners who want to develop and sell profitable UK made products. If your application is accepted, you'll receive a copy of my exclusive free private training on how to develop profitable UK made products with ease. In the training, I go through my exact three-part framework that we use to help our clients successfully launch and grow their UK-made brands. And I'll show you exactly how it works along with all kinds of examples. I'll also explain everything you need to know about the accelerator to ensure that we can truly help you to get the results that you're looking for. To apply for an invite to the British Brand Accelerator and get a copy of the training, go to katehills.co.uk forward slash apply. About the vintage glasses, there are a few things that the optician did wrong when he set his pricing strategy for those frames that he could have done better and that would have enabled him to have commanded a higher price for them. So firstly, he didn't do enough market research. Has he had more examples of similar vintage frames actually selling for hundreds of pounds, then that would have illustrated that the one pair on eBay for 529 were not total outliers, but that those glasses actually could sell at that price. Secondly, whilst I was his ideal customer in terms of the fact that I loved the glasses and I wanted to buy them, I was not someone that would ever spend 500 pounds on a pair of vintage frames. I was also not someone swayed by designer branded glasses. So the fact that they had Christian Dior on them was not of value to me. Thirdly, had he been better at articulating the benefits of the frames to me, such as the fact that they were pretty unusual and I would not bump into anyone else wearing them, or that they had special hinges on them that were much better quality than the hinges on the glasses made today, then maybe he would have been able to convince me to pay more for them. And then finally, had he not told me that they were gathering dust in his storeroom, and had he not looked so amazed that someone actually wanted to buy these outdated weird frames, as he was probably thinking of them. But instead, had he said something like, oh, I've got other customers that may be interested in these. I'm going to wait a while and see if they're going to pay me more than you're willing to pay for them. And that probably would have given me FOMO. I'll have had terrible fear of missing out on these glasses. Then he probably could have commanded a higher price. But as it was... He'd probably only paid about £50 for them back in the late 80s, probably less. And to him, the £100 sale plus the upsell of the £150 lenses that he sold to me was a pretty good deal. And one final thing I'd like to say here on prices, because someone asked me this question on my Instagram stories, is what do you say to someone who says your prices are too expensive? Now, if someone says this to you, chances are they're probably not your ideal customer. Because pricing, it's all relative. Someone that can afford a Mini will think a Bentley is too expensive. But to someone that can afford luxury cars, a Bentley offers amazing value because of its quality and because of the perception of the Bentley brand. So if you are being told that your products are too expensive, make sure that you're actually getting them in front of the right people 
those will, that will actually appreciate the quality of a product that is made in the UK. So I hope you found this episode useful. I've got a guest on the show next week for you, which is exciting. And if you've been looking at my Instagram stories, you will have a little bit of an idea about who that's going to be. And if you have found this episode useful, the kindest thing you can do for me is leave a review for the podcast. I've got a link in the show notes that says rate this podcast. Click on that and whichever app you listen to this podcast in, there's a link there. It will show you how to do it. I thank you in advance for leaving a review and I'll be back next week. Take care. 